you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to hang out in our Bible study time this morning. John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have some Bibles that you can use. They're going to go down the aisle, just wave at them or make eye contact, um, give them a little head nod. Every Sunday we're going to open God's Word and learn from it together. Or you can dial it up on your phone if you use the Bible app or a tablet. Um, and in John chapter 1, we're going to continue in this unbelievable series um, that we've been in the last few weeks called Follow. Uh, and I think you're really going to be challenged and blessed and encouraged and directed today from John chapter 1. And as you're finding your place in your Bible in John chapter 1, let me encourage you to be here next Sunday. Next Sunday, I think you saw a slide behind Scott earlier that said it's going to be Family Ministry Vision Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to take the entire message really through the lens of John chapter 3. And we're going to talk about the importance of family ministry. A guy asked Jesus a question in John chapter 3. That's one of the greatest questions that any parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, teacher probably could ever ask Jesus. He basically said this, how do you go back and start over when you're old? It's a good question. How do you go back and start over spiritually when you're old? You know, the, the best answer to that question is let's train kids young so they don't have to ask that question and make a difficult transition when they're old. So through the lens of that question, we're going to talk about family ministry next week. We've got a video that we're going to show you um, that I just want to warn you, bring your Kleenex. Because our staff has watched it twice and it's taken us a few minutes to compose ourselves to get ready. Those of us who have young kids to get ready to go um, and, and, and do life again because it's so powerful. And then after church, if you have a teenager, sixth grade currently through senior high, we want you to join us for lunch to hear about what's going on in our student ministry, specifically our summer camp opportunities, um, our summer mission trip opportunities. We want your teenagers engaged in what we're doing, so come eat lunch. We'll pay for it, um, and we'll have the fastest lunch here. You'll get home the fastest, I promise you, and hear about what's going on in our church. Today in John chapter 1, we continue in this series called Follow, and as we enter verse 35, for those of you who have been here the last few weeks, we're actually picking up where we left off. We've been walking through the book of John, trying to learn how to follow Jesus. Jesus better in 2016. And today we start in verse 35. I'm going to go through verse 42. Take a little bit of a break. Um, teach a little bit. If you haven't already, pull the sermon notes out of your bulletin so you can follow along today. And then we'll pick back up in verse 43. I'll teach through verse 51. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll go home and hopefully watch the Broncos lose. Um, verse 35 says, um, says this. It wasn't even written in my notes. Um, the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, um, by the way, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, the word Messiah and Christ are actually the same words. Messiah is, is an Aramaic word, Christ um, is, a, is a Greek word, the English word is Savior, those all mean the same thing. We found the Savior and he brought him to Jesus, verse 42 says. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, but you're going to be called Cephas, that's a Greek word, which when translated means Peter or it means rock. You know, we have been saying for two weeks uh, at Journey, and we're going to say for the next four weeks, and hopefully all year long, point number one in our outline today, that we believe, I believe, I think John chapter 1 shows us what we just read, shows us that real life with Jesus begins when we follow him, not just when we begin to believe in him. As a matter of fact, we meet two disciples, John and Andrew, who are disciples of John the Baptist, who a day earlier had heard who Jesus was and who had believed in him, 
but they took no action to follow him. The second time he came by, the next day, they followed him, and things would become radically different as they went from believing in Jesus to following Jesus, which is why we're doing this series called Follow. We believe this year at our church, it's time for the people in our church to go from believing in Jesus to becoming like Jesus. There's another step to believing as we follow Jesus. We said last week as we look at the the word tabernacle where John said Jesus came and he tabernacled among us, he dwelt among us, that Jesus wants to be not just around our life or in our life, but the center of our life. And when life revolves around Jesus, life looks different. We talked through that last week on Vision Sunday to kind of set the course for this year. We're calling 2016 at our church the year of deep and wide. It's my goal as a pastor this year that everyone in here goes deep deeper spiritually than you've ever been before. Every Sunday, I'm trying to figure out how to push you just a little deeper in your thought process, in your commitments, of the, of, in the conversations you have. My goal is to push you just a little deeper spiritually than you've been. And my goal is that our church will have the widest impact that we've ever had in our community, in our city, and around the world. We're going to move into a building in August or September, and we think that's going to allow us to minister to people on a greater scale than we do here because we'll have seven days a week of ministry opportunity rather than just seven hours of week on a Sunday morning. So we're excited about 2016, the year of deep and wide. But let me ask you a deep question as we begin today's message. And here's the deep question that I want to ask you. What's your purpose for following Jesus? If you are a follower of Jesus, and if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, one, we're really glad that you're here. You're welcome every Sunday. And I hope if you don't believe in Jesus, but have questions about Jesus, you'll come every Sunday because I think you'll learn the answers to a lot of your questions and hopefully you'll learn to trust that there's some people you can talk to about all the difficult questions that you may have that are rolling around in your head. But if you do follow Jesus, what's your purpose for following Jesus? It was a question that Jesus asked the disciples in John chapter 1. Look at verse 37 and 38. When the two disciples heard John say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, what do you want? Let me ask you a question this morning. Why are you here? What do you want? What are you seeking from your relationship with Jesus? That's a great question. What's your purpose for following Jesus? These disciples in John chapter 1 had a, had a great answer, and we actually know the answer to that because of what we've read. These disciples in John chapter 1 believed that following Jesus would lead them to intimacy with God. They thought Jesus could connect them to God. And I have to be honest enough through my study of of history, both spiritual history and secular history, to believe that this is one of the most important and most asked questions in the history of the world. If God is real, some people are still asking that one, um, if God is real, if God is good, um, if God eternally rewards and eternally punishes, if there is a God who actually has a set of rules, um, how, do you, how do you know about him? How do you connect to him? I mean, anyone who asks the question, if God is real and they decide, yes, he is, has to ask more questions about, okay, if he's real, how do you, how do you connect to him? And I think these people in John chapter 1 were connecting to Jesus, following Jesus because they wanted to connect to God. You say, how do you know that? Because the scripture tells us. Look at verse 36. We know exactly why they were following Jesus. I'll start in verse 35. It says, the next day John was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look... The Lamb of God. If you have your pen, if you have a highlighter, if you have a pencil, underline that word Lamb of God. If you're following along on your your Bible app, highlight that in your phone or on your tablet. He called him the Lamb of God. Look up at verse 29, just a few verses up. John calls him the exact same thing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
we know that these disciples were pursuing who God was, and we know that they were following Jesus because they thought he held some kind of answers, because we know from the Bible what the Lamb of God is. And to the Jewish society, to the Jewish culture, the Lamb of God was a very, very, very big deal. Let me, let me take you back several thousand years to the Old Testament. We, we were here a little bit last week. We talked about Moses, you know, being pulled out of the river. We talked about, um, you know, the Ten Commandments. We talked about the Ten Plagues. We talked about the Prince of Egypt movie and just kind of tried to, tried to put that story in our head a little bit. You might remember that the Tenth Plague on Egypt, when God was getting ready to release the, the 2 million, probably 2.5 million Hebrew slaves to go home, The 10th plague was going to be a plague called death of the firstborn. The death angel was going to pass through Egypt and it was going to kill all the firstborn children of both the Egyptians and the Hebrews. And God said, the only way your kids are going to survive this is if you take a lamb and you sacrifice that lamb and you put the blood of the lamb on the door frame of your house and then just go inside and trust that that lamb from God will protect you. That's the first time in scripture that that phrase lamb of God is mentioned. But through the rest of Scripture, the Lamb of God became the most important thing in Scripture because of what it stood for. The Lamb of God, not just in the book of Exodus, but throughout the rest of the Bible, the Lamb of God was the thing that saved people from death, like physical death in the book of Exodus. The Lamb of God was the thing that paid the penalty for sin. Every year on this anniversary, they would sacrifice the Lamb of God on what was called the Day of Atonement. If you have an American calendar sometime in October, you'll see the words Yom Kippur. That's, that's the Hebrew Day of Atonement, the day that the Lamb of God was sacrificed so that all the sins you committed that year. Maybe you commit one a year. People like me commit probably thousands of years. On that day, it's like, okay, all those go away. Thank you, Jesus. That was the Lamb of God that cleansed people from the sin. Somehow, the blood was a picture of of covering up all the sins you committed so that they wouldn't stand out in your life to God or to the life of other people who were looking at you. It's interesting, on this day with a little bit of snow on the ground, snow is pictured as covering sin. In Isaiah 1, 18 and 19, Isaiah said, though your sins be as scarlet, God's going to forgive you. He's going to make your life white as snow. He's going to cleanse you. The Lamb of God cleansed, and the Lamb of God allowed these people to be close to God. It was what allowed them to hang out in the presence of God without having the wrath of God upon them because of all the mistakes they made and all the sins that they had in their life. The Lamb of God was a very big deal. Let me tell you how big of a deal it was culturally, okay? From an American perspective, since that's where most of us were born and raised and live now, um, the Lamb of God was celebrated. If you could put New Year, the New Year's holiday, Thanksgiving, and Easter together, can you imagine how big of a holiday that would be? That was Passover, and that is Passover in Israel. Passover is the first day of the new year. It's their new year celebration where they do the fireworks and, and, and ring in the new year. Um, Passover is their Thanksgiving time, their gratitude for what God has done. Except in, instead of for a day, it's a week. Can you imagine a week of Thanksgiving? I'd have to have two separate wardrobes for all that I would eat that week as I transitioned in and out of the holiday season. That, that would be a difficult one for me. And it was their most important spiritual holiday. So it was like Easter, New Year's, Thanksgiving and Easter all coming into one and it was, all, it was all centered around the Lamb of God. So when John looked at Jesus and said, that's the real one. Like we all have these little lambs we're pulling out of our stable to celebrate these holidays. And we remember what we've been taught. But that's the real one. They followed Jesus because they said, the Lamb of God is the thing that connects me to God. If, if that's who Jesus is, I'm in. So these disciples were willing to follow Jesus 
Because they were pursuing God. They were pursuing a relationship with God. They were pursuing a connection to God. They were pursuing information about God. But you say, well, pursuing Him where? They, they were willing to pursue Jesus where? Good question. They asked Him that question, and He really didn't give the answer. Jesus turned around and said, what do you want? And they said, we like, we like want to figure out where you're going. And Jesus didn't say, here's where, he just said, come and see. There was a little bit of trust. As a matter of fact, as you look at your outline, there was way more trust in coming and seeing. I believe it takes a stronger faith to follow than it does to believe. You see, the day before they stood with John the Baptist, their spiritual mentor, and he said, that's the Lamb of God. And they said, cool, check mark. I've put my faith in what John says. I believe he's the Lamb of God. The next day, as they started to follow the Lamb of God, they said, just a few questions before we get going. Can you tell us where we're going? And Jesus said, just follow me. And they didn't know where they were going, but they knew who they were following, so they were okay with trusting. Have you ever followed someone to a place you didn't know where you were going, but you had a little bit of trust in the person you were following, and they just said, follow me, we'll get there? Danielle and I had one of the greatest first dates on the history of the planet. I met her. She was a freshman at the, at the college I was going through. I was a junior, and we connected and began to talk just a little bit. And I asked her out on a date, a double date, um, with a guy who, that I played football with in college. And we decided that we were going to give them an epic experience for our first date. Um, so we said, hey, we want, to, uh, we want to take you guys out. And they said, where? And we said, come and see. If it worked for Jesus, we thought it could work for us. And it worked. They were like, okay. And here, here was our plan. Um, and you need to realize, when I mention a movie, especially for you teenagers, when I mention a movie, I'm not telling you to go watch the movie. Because before I really started following Jesus... I didn't watch the movies that I was supposed to watch. So you guys just keep watching Left Behind. Don't, don't watch the movies that I say to watch. Um, but, but I grew up in, in, you know, I graduated from high school in 96, uh, was in college in the late 90s, during the Scream era. If you all saw the movie Scream, if you haven't, don't. You shouldn't see it. It won't help you spiritually. But if you do, it'll help you understand the story a little bit. So I grew up in the Scream era, crazy white mask, guys chasing you around with knives. Um, and there were a couple of those movies. So here was our plan for our first date. Um, we, we took these girls out, uh, and there was like an old cemetery. I went to school in central Virginia, and I mean, they had cemeteries from the 16, 17, 1800s. There was this old cemetery that had a statue um, of a girl. The, the, there were a bunch of different stories about why the statue was there and what had happened. But the reality was there was a young girl who had died like in the early 1900s, and her father had erected like this 10-foot statue and her hand was shaped at the top in such a way that when the wind would blow through her hand, you could hear it whistle. Um, some, people thought, some people called it the singing statue. Some people called it the screaming statue. But if you were out there in the middle of the woods in this ancient cemetery and the wind was blowing, like you could, it, it would sound like someone was whistling or hissing or singing or screaming. Full disclosure, we called it the screaming statues and had a, probably a worse story than what was real about it. So we decided we're going we're to take these girls to the screaming statue we're going to tell ghost stories, and we're just going to have a, a good time. So we, we trespass, you know, on some land, um, drive down some old dirt roads, get out of a car, and we've got like a half-mile walk up a hill through the woods in the middle of the night to this old cemetery that's surrounded by this wall that's like probably five feet tall. We have to climb in. 
um, and we get to the, this big central figure, this statue of this girl in the middle of the cemetery, and we're like, let's sit down, and like, what's, your, like, what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? You know, what's the scariest story? You know? And we're kind of telling scary stories, and they're looking at us like, like you all are out of your mind. Um, and right in the middle of the ghost stories, we had a plan where a bunch of our teammates were dressed up in the scream stuff with knives, and they come jumping over the walls of the cemetery. They're like hiding behind gravestones, and they're like yelling, and we're like, ah, we're gonna die. So like, we take off running, right? Um, you know, and they're grabbing us, and we're like fake fighting them off, and we're telling the girls, run, run for your life. So like I can just picture Danielle like booking it down this back road. It's our first date and I catch up with her and the guys, you know, we've got some kind of lined up by our car. So they're jumping out of the woods as we come. And, and there's this moment where Danielle's like running as fast as she can. She's clinging to my arm and I look down and, you know, she, she's clinging to me. You can tell she's scared out of her mind. And I thought like, this is so romantic. Like, Danielle, like this is, this is what every first date should be like. And maybe you don't think that, but she married me. So, it, it, so in some way it, it worked. Um, but, but we just, she asked us, what are we going to do? And I said, just come and see, you'll find out. And, and she found out. Um, Jesus said, follow me. And they said, where? And he said, come and see. And here's what you need to realize. The journey that Jesus took them on was way more exciting and way more rewarding than ever tr- any trip you will ever take anywhere, not knowing where you're going, because you don't have to know where you're going if you trust who you're following. And Jesus said, follow me, and they trusted him, which led to number two. Jesus wanted them to follow him because we know we see the work of God in us and in the world as we follow the mission of Jesus, not just as we learn it. We see it differently. We see it more deeply. It impacts us in a greater way when we follow Jesus more than just learning about Jesus. I don't know about you. Um, but I grew up in church. My grandfather continues to pastor. He's preaching today. He's, he's preached probably every Sunday for the last 65 years. Um, and I grew up in a home where every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we went to church. Maybe you grew up in a church that was similar. And the services that I, that I looked forward to the least were the mission Sundays. On Sunday night, once a quarter, a couple times a year, um, a missionary would come in and he would bring all his little trinkets from, from where he'd been, and he might have a little slideshow, and then for an hour, they wouldn't let us go to youth group. We weren't allowed to play basketball. We weren't allowed to eat pizza. All the teens had to come in and listen to a guy and watch his slideshow, and, and I, I didn't care for it very much. Hate would be a strong word, but I didn't care for that service. I tried to skip it as many times as I could because learning about other people's experiences just didn't impact me deeply on those mission Sundays. And, you know, and I've got some stuff up here from mission trips that the reality is that they're probably not going to impact you deeply. Stuff from India and Kenya and stuff from Guatemala and, you know, stuff from trips that we've taken. But when I look at this stuff, it impacts my heart deeply. Like when I look at this, when I look at this little scarf from India and this little thing that was given to me in India... It impacts me deeply. I think we've got a picture because I remember the day this was presented to me. It's 118 degrees in southern India on the Bay of Bengal. And this was presented to me, go to the next picture, by two young girls that my wife and I every month supported. We sent money so that their medical care was taken care of. We sent money so their health care was taken care of. We sent money so they could live at the orphanage where they lived because their parents had been killed in northern India by some by some Muslim and Hindu radicals. And when those little girls came up and put this around my back and around my neck, it was a life-changing moment. It, it was a moment in time that I would never forget. And it, and it hit me spiritually in a way that it's not hitting you right now 
because you're just learning about it. You know, I think of these little cars. This is, if you've ever been to India, this is what you ride around in. These are called auto rickshaws, and they're so popular there, they sell them. My dog hates this, because if you pull it backwards, it'll chase him. It's very fun to watch, but he doesn't like it um, at all. Um, but it's one thing to come home and give you this little toy. It's another thing. We were there, and one of our guys said, hey, can I drive it? And they were like, yeah, I guess. And go to the next picture. When you're sitting in the back of an auto rickshaw and an American's at the wheel, it's like that is not an experience you want to have, but it's not one that you want to miss either because it's just like unbelievable. All these Indians looking at you like, what are these crazy white people doing dri- driving these things around? See, it's one thing to learn about the gospel. And it's another thing to actually live the gospel because the lessons of Christianity are far less impactful than the lifestyle of Christianity. And when you look at Jesus and, and the disciples ask Jesus, hey, tell us a little more about you. He didn't say, well, get your pen out. He said, follow me. He said, come and see what's going on because it's one thing to learn about Christianity. It's something entirely different to live it. So we see from John chapter 1, following Jesus is way more about come and see than sit and listen. But if you ask somebody today, tell me what it means to be a Christian, they'll talk a lot more about sitting and listening than they will come and sing. What's it mean to go Christian? Well, I go to church on Sunday and I check my kids in and... They kind of do their thing. Then we go in the service and they sing a little bit. And then we sit down and, and we listen. And that's what people think Christianity is. Or, you know, on, on Sunday nights or Tuesday mornings, I go to a group. Um, and, you know, we sit in a group and a guy talks and we sit and we listen. And we live in a culture today that if it tried to describe Christianity, it would describe Sunday morning church, not following Jesus. This is a part of it. But this is not Christianity. This is, this is like the, the pinnacle to, to be motivated to live in your Christianity again this week until... The troubles of the world wear you out next weekend enough that you need to come and get filled back up again. Following Jesus is more about come and see than sit and listen. And our vantage point of understanding Jesus in us and in the world becomes clear as we follow deeper. Every step you take deeper into your faith, deeper into your Christianity, deeper into the routine and the pattern set for us in the book of Acts, every step of faith that you take deeper in your walk with Jesus allows your eyes to be open more and more and more to who Jesus really is. So this year, I want to challenge you to go deeper into life experience with Jesus. How do you begin every day to, ha- to, to have and experience Jesus in your life? We're talking a lot about this year being the year of the Bible. Um, from Easter to Easter, I'm looking for 100 people in our church who will read the Bible completely through with me from this Easter to next Easter. We were going to do it over the calendar year, but we realized most people, when they read the Bible, they don't experience Jesus. It's just a book. They don't know how to hear from God. So we said, before we start, we're going to take our entire church through this curriculum called 40 Days in the Word. We're getting ready to launch this in small groups, which teaches you how to read your favorite Bible verse and not hear it in your head, but hear it in your heart. It teaches you to read Scripture. Hebrews 4 says Scripture is alive and active. And when you read a word, to not see it on a page, but to hear it in your heart, to hear it in your soul. And that takes training. Samuel had to learn how to listen and understand the word of God. So we as a church through small groups are getting ready to do this. You've got to do this this year. If you want to experience Jesus more than just on Sunday morning, if you want to have a deeper life experience with Jesus, you've got to learn to let the word of God speak to your heart and your soul on a daily basis. Secondly, you need to get deeper into spiritual community. We realize this is the most difficult step. This is like jumping in the deep end of a pool you can't even see the bottom of. For people who are kind of new to church or new to community, you want me to do what? You want me to join a small group? You want me to to go to a Bible study with a group of people I don't know and have to answer questions that I don't know? What if they make me pray? What if the house I go to has an an animal that I'm allergic to? What if it smells weird or they serve food that I don't want to say no to? I mean, it's a difficult step. It's a deep step 
to enter into spiritual community. But we believe so strongly in this that we've tried to break down the barriers of why people won't enter spiritual community. And we've said, just take a step into community, into small groups. We're getting ready to start a small group that meets on Sunday morning right here during our 9 a.m. service in, in the back room. There's only room for 15 people, but it's called Starting Point. We've got so many people at our church who did not grow up at church. And when I come and talk about a story from Moses, they're like, who's Moses? I say Abraham. And they're like, who's Abraham? They don't get much of the Bible stories because they didn't grow up learning them. So we have a class called Starting Point, which is like a crash course for people who want to get caught up on maybe everything they've missed while maybe meeting some people in a safe environment that they don't have to get too locked into. Maybe you're here today and your step into community needs to be to sign up for that starting point class. And starting in February, every Sunday in February at 9 a.m., step into a group with 12 to 15 people, learn kind of some things about Christianity you don't know, get a chance to meet some people, and come and go freely without feeling locked into anything. We have a thing called test drive for people before they go into small groups. Because we know you're not going to buy a car unless you test drive it. Hopefully you're not going to buy a pair of shoes until you try them on. So we're like, let's give people a chance to try a small group to see if it fits for them. So on Sunday night, January 24th, we're having a test drive at Gusto Coffee House, which is in the new Longview area. And it's a chance for you to come one time and just experience what do groups look like? What's a men's group look like? What's a women's group look like? What's a couple's group look like? Go one time, experience what it's like, and then kind of make your decision or ask your questions of... Okay, this didn't totally fit me, but how else can I join spiritual community? But we know spiritual community. When Jesus called the disciples, he called several of them and said, let's live life together. And then we want you to be deeper into ministry service with Jesus. Because when you actually serve people at church, when you serve in ministry, you go a step deeper in your understanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing. Our Christmas Eve service this year was one of the greatest things that we've ever had, one of the greatest things we've ever done. And in this last year, we've added four brand new ministry staff members who have not been a part of an event like that. And at our January team meeting, when I was talking to our staff, and I said, okay, give me your highlights for December. Tell me about what stood out to you in December. All of our new staff members said something like this. I'd always gone to services like that, but I had no idea what it took to put on a service like that. All the meetings beforehand, all the planning, all the setup, all the rehearsals. I've got like a greater understanding and passion for what happened and what Jesus did, because I I know now what it took. See, serving just allows you to step a little deeper into your faith to understand the bigger picture of what Jesus is doing. And if you're going to go deeper in your faith this year, here's the fact that won't make sense to you until we jump back into God's Word. You're going to have to move from your tree. If you're going to experience Jesus on a new level this year, you've got to move from your tree. You say, what in the world does that mean? Let me introduce you to Nathaniel, and a picture of why it's important to move from your tree. Jesus has just called a few of his disciples, Simon, Andrew, John. Now we see he moves to calling Philip. It says, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. It's about a two-hour drive north of where he would have been. It's probably an entire day or two-day walk. Um, It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. 
Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You're going to see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you're going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let me tell you what happened here. The day before, as these disciples were following Jesus, Nathanael was sitting under a tree and he'd heard enough about Jesus to know who he was and somehow under that tree he had some spiritual experience. He, he saw Jesus sitting under that tree and somehow God spoke to his heart and said, this is the one, you, you, you can follow him. And all of you, or many of you, who have had a spiritual experience, you can remember your, your tree. You can remember the day. You can remember the time. You remember the place where you are, where Jesus became real to you. For Nathaniel, it was under that tree. And as he was sitting under a tree thinking, could this be him? And beginning to place his faith in Jesus, Jesus saw him under the tree. But Jesus said this, you saw and you believe sitting there under the tree. But man, if you will follow, you're going to see way better stuff than that. Some of you can go back in your mind to where you first saw Jesus, where you first met Jesus. And some of you can go back there easily because you're still right there in your faith. Like you haven't moved yet. John in John chapter 1 in talking about himself and when he really believed that Jesus was the Messiah, John remembered that detail so vividly that he said, on this day I followed. And he said it was about 4 o'clock. Who remembers the exact time that something happened unless it was a moment that deeply impacted your life. And some of you can go back to a youth camp, to a mission trip, to a vacation Bible school, to some revival service, um, to, 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 to some Promise Keepers event, to some Women of Faith event. You can go back to the event in your head where you saw Jesus for who he was. And you're like, that was a life-changing event. And Jesus would say, I saw you on that day when you saw me. But that's just the beginning. And if you will follow, it's going to get better. And what we found for Nathaniel, when he was willing to move from his tree, when he was willing to go from belief to become, we see that for him, and I believe for you and I, many times your miracle comes after your movement. You say, what does that mean? Some of you in here are looking for a miracle in 2016. You need something to happen in your life that, that has to be supernatural. You need something to happen in your marriage. You need something to happen in your finances. You need something to happen in the life of your children. You need something to happen in your job. You need something to happen with some family members, somebody you've been praying for. Like, if, if you could have one thing in 2016, you would say, this is what I want, but it, it, it would be miraculous. I don't know that I can receive this. Some of you need a miracle this year, or you'd really like to have one. We look at Nathaniel, and we find out that in his life, the miracle followed the movement. Jesus told him in John chapter 1, you've had your moment, but man, you haven't seen anything yet. Let me take you to John chapter 2 and tell you what I'm referring to, because you've got to read a few verses further to understand what I'm talking about this morning. So Jesus met Nathaniel. Nathaniel said, I saw you, I've believed in you. Jesus said, that, that ain't nothing, it's going to get way, way better than that. And then in John chapter 2, it says where Jesus was going. They were going to Galilee, and here's where they ended up. It says on the third day, how many days it took him to walk, a wedding took place at Cana, in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. I'm going to stop right there. Basically, for those of you who know the Bible a little bit, this was Jesus' first miracle that he did. For those of you who don't, John presents to us seven supernatural signs that Jesus was from heaven. This is the first of those. He went to his wedding. His, his, he went to a wedding of a family member. His mom was in charge of the refreshments. On those days, weddings didn't last for a day. They lasted for a week, and it would be extremely shameful to run out of anything that was needed for the wedding. And at some point, near the end of that week, Jesus' mom came to him and said, we're out of wine. What are we going to do? 
We're going to be a disgrace to the entire town that's been invited, people from probably other towns. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. And she said, no, 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 you, you have to help me. So she told his servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. I'm going to preach through John 2 in several weeks through this miracle. So we'll get to it in depth there. But Jesus basically said, go get a bunch of water. The water came back and he turned it to wine. They presented it to the master of ceremonies. And he said, wow, this is like better than the original stuff. And it says it was the first sign that Jesus did to help people believe in him. It was in Cana. It was in Galilee. One of the people there was a guy named Nathaniel who had seen Jesus and believed in him. But Jesus said, I promise you, if you'll move from where you believed in me to following me, you're going to see even better things. Do you know that John chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, after Jesus has died, resurrected, and he appears to his disciples? Here's what we learn about Nathaniel. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas, also called Denimus, and Nathaniel from, where's he from? Where's he from? Cana in Galilee. You see, Nathaniel saw Jesus, and he believed in Jesus. But Jesus said, if you will take me to your home, if you go home with me, if you will let me come to your backyard with you, if you'll take me to your family, if you'll take me to your friends, if you'll take me to your work, if you'll take me to your business place, if you will live life and let me have a part of all of your life, I mean, you're going to see things that will absolutely blow your mind. Look at verse 50 again and what Jesus said to Nathaniel, because I believe Jesus is saying that to us today. Jesus said, you believe, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You're going to see greater things than that. Jesus is saying, you believe, but it gets better as you follow. Belief is great. The tree was great. The event was great. That day you raised your hand was great. That day you walked an aisle was great. That day you checked a card was great. That day you got baptized was great. Those were great. But it gets better as you follow Jesus. Because we're going to go to your hometown. And I'm going to blow your mind with what is going to happen. You know, Zacchaeus met Jesus in a tree. And Jesus said, come down. I want to be a part of your life. I want to go to your house. Abraham met God in the angel of the Lord under a tree when he was trying to figure out what God's future was for him because he couldn't have a son. It said Abraham was sitting under a tree when God came to him to speak to him in his despair to say, it's going to be okay. You're actually going to have a baby. His wife was in a tent that was probably parked in the shade of that tree. And when she heard him, she started laughing. And God said, why is your wife laughing? And she said, I'm not laughing. And he said, hello, I'm God. I heard you laughing. Uh, I know you're laughing. You can't deny it. And she was laughing because she thought, there's no way God could step into my life and do the miracle that I need. And God said, sure I can. But the miracle's going to happen after the movement. You've got to follow me. You've got to lean into me with everything you have, Abraham. And I believe God is saying to you today, like he said to Nathaniel, like he said to Zacchaeus, like he said to Abram, God is saying, I see you under the tree. I realize you've put your faith in me and believed in me. That's great. It gets better. It gets better if you will follow beyond your belief and you will become, it gets better. And as we end this message in... We keep living through 2016. Here's my question for you this morning. Will you follow Jesus deeper this year so you might experience him more than you did last year? Will you commit or will you recommit or will you recommit again to follow Jesus deeper this year than you did last year so that you might experience him more? Could 2016 be the year you move spiritually from a moment with Jesus in your life to the mission of Jesus? 
You quit talking about that moment in middle school, high school, college, young life. You quit talking about that event at the tree that, that is the basis for your faith. And all of a sudden you begin talking about the here and the now and the future because you're living on mission. Could 2016 be the year that you move from believing in Jesus to becoming more like Jesus? So it's not a head knowledge and a statement from your mouth, but it's a heart knowledge and a statement from your life that says, I follow Jesus. Could this be the year you move from an examination of Jesus to a dedication of Jesus? The disciples heard John say, that's the Lamb of God. And they watched for a day. Nathaniel probably heard that discussion. He watched for two days. And some of you have been sitting back understanding who Jesus is, but watching from a distance. Why don't you get dedicated this year up close and personal and follow Jesus wherever you, he will lead you. you. Say, well, where's he going to lead? I don't know. You don't have to know where he's going if you trust who you're following. Just follow. That's what Jesus says. Because your miracle might follow your movement. Now, say, what's my movement? It's different for everyone. Literally, probably almost everyone in here has a different next step for your movement to experience your miracle. Like if this is your first Sunday here, hopefully your movement, if, if God is speaking to your heart, is just come back. Just come back again. If you're brand new, just come back. That could be your movement. But if you are one of the many, many people in our church who has a Christianity that's defined as sit and listen, and you've not stepped deeper into the mission of Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I want everyone in here to reach into your bulletin and pull out this card. Everyone in here, reach into your bulletin and pull out this card. Even if you're just going to draw a picture on it or make your grocery list, pull it out so the person next to you feels comfortable pulling it out too. I want you to pull out this card. Because there are some sit and listen Christians in our congregation who you're at a certain point of belief, and that's great. But it gets better. And as you look at your next step, the first few next steps for those who are moving from sit and listen to come and see, they're the same. And my prayer is that in 2016, you'll take them by today acknowledging what your next step is and saying, help me figure this out in 2016, Christian. Maybe your next step this year is baptism. You've given your life to Jesus. You believe in him, but you've not been publicly baptized so you can tell people. I've decided to follow Jesus. If you've not done that, that is your next step if you're a follower of Jesus. You need to check that box, and at some point we need to talk about that this year. This doesn't, by the way, sign you up for anything but a discussion of, hey, we, we see what your next step is. How can we help you get there? Maybe for some of you it's the starting point class. You, you come on Sunday morning, but you really don't know anyone. You don't know a whole lot. You wish you knew more. You wish you knew like a person or two, but you don't have a lot of time. You just... You want to step in, just test the water a little bit? Maybe starting point can do that for you. Or maybe for you, it's small groups. Maybe the reality is you come every Sunday, you say hi to the same greeters, but you don't know their name and they don't know yours. You greet the exact same usher, but he doesn't know your name and you don't know his. You sit near the same people and you wave to them and smile, but they don't know you and you don't know them. They don't know your hurt. They don't know your fear. They don't know what you need prayed for. They don't know your family. They don't know your hardship and you don't know anything about them. You're just kind of faces in a crowd. And God is saying it's time to go deeper. It's time to know and be known within Christian community. Maybe small groups is your next step. Or maybe it's time to serve. You've heard me say, if you've been at our church, every Christian was created to serve and is gifted to serve. You just got to find your area. Because when you step behind the veil of Sunday morning into serving, you just get to experience Jesus on a different level. So I want to encourage you, check your next step. Write your name down. And when you leave, drop this in one of the boxes by the doors. And what you're saying is, I commit to an email or a conversation. I'm not going to do any of these things, but I realize they're my next step. 
And I'm just affirming that, so help me figure out how this works. Some of you are looking for a miracle this year. Your miracle might just follow your movement. God might say, I've been seeing you sitting under the tree. Let's come on now. Take me, to, take me to your hometown. Take me home. Take me to your job. Take me to your friends. Because if you will follow me and let me be a part of your life every day, your mind will be blown by the greater things you'll see from me. Will you bow your heads and pray with me?